Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Wild Tales podcast. I'm Jason Fox, and this series is all about adventure, resilience, and inspirational humans. The podcast is presented by The Booker Man and in partnership with Talisker, the single malt whiskey made by the sea. My guest today is Ness Knight, an explorer, conservationist and presenter whose expeditions around the world have made her a cult figure. Working with indigenous people, she was the first person to descend the Esquibo River in Guyana. She's traversed the Namib Desert solo, cycled Bolivia, become the first woman to swim the length of the Thames and a hell of a lot more. In the episode, we answer some questions that you've asked me on Instagram. I'm going to be sending a bottle of Talisker to the top question. In addition, malts.com are offering a 10% off promo code Talisker15DE. Redeemable at checkout on www.malts.com until the 1st of October 2020. Discount may only be used once for individual Talisker distillers, edition products for sale at £100 or less. No minimum spend, but a delivery charge may apply. Not to be used in conjunction with any other offer, and gift card purchases are excluded. 18 plus and subject to malts.com terms of sale. Here we go, and I hope you enjoy this one. Here we are, Ness. Um, bit of a, well, not a bit of a legend, massive legend. You normally do. You're away most of the time, really, aren't you? To be fair. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's been a whirlwind. Uh, look at the past decade, and I'm um, kind of thinking, when have I bloody stopped? And so, you know, this whole quarantine and lockdown is uh, it's probably a good thing, to be honest with you. It's yeah, not bad. It's, it's yeah. always, it has been good to be. For, I mean, the bloody people have listened to me bang on about it enough. You know, I, I, although it's been hard for people, I didn't mind quarantine. I was happy to sort of like bed down and sort some stuff out around the house that I probably would never have ever done, and sort of connect with a few different people, but. Um, ultimately, from being someone who's always on the move, and actually, I'd like to tell people we've never met. We've sort of we we've got friends that have met, and we know people. We know the same people and all this. And then we did nearly meet on an underground escalator. You were going up, and I was going down. And I oh think, God, I yeah, do you remember that? There was I a, weird, a giant wooden paddle, didn't I? Yeah, you, yeah. It looked like you from like the bloody Congo or something. So I was like, ah, what is that? There was, an, there was a weird like glance at each other, and then that was it. It was done. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah so that was our that was our nearest meet. But anyway, obviously being used to getting away and whatnot. How yeah. have how have you found um, the transition into lockdown? Oh, you know, it's been a mixed bag to be honest with you. I've you know, as you said, I'm used to going around the world and being on the go and never stopping. Legs don't really touch ground very much, and um, I think I needed it, to be honest with you. I, I I balked at it and I bitched and I moaned for a hell of a long time because I get bored really quickly. And that's mm. that's why I do what I do. And um, yeah, I just, I don't like someone dictating to me what I can and can't do where I can and can't go, but it's necessary times. And then after a while of uh, finding it pretty tough, also my man is halfway around the world. We, we got locked apart from each other. He's in South Africa 
and I'm yeah. here. So it's been six months apart already. And uh, so, yeah, I, was, I went through a bit of a tough time with that and sitting with your own thoughts when you, you kind of used to being distracted by being on the go for a while. And, and then I realized actually it's, it's a really good thing because it, it's come at a, a time in my life where I think I really needed to just sit down, be quiet with my own thoughts mm. and cal- recalibrate and think yeah. of what direction am I going in from here? Year, what have I achieved so far and I think it was hugely productive from that and it has been an enormous amount of change coming out of that and all for the better so yeah mixed bag and I think oh no I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty pleased with it. Have you been able to keep up the same sort of fitness routines or have you changed it or have you adopted different exercise you know different routines with regard to training because I know like I'm sure you're like me where you've got you've got to get that in otherwise it's a <laughs> Yeah, yeah, nightmare yeah. otherwise <laughs> yeah yeah no it's um i'm i'm not i'm not a great person to be around unless i've got that in the bag so um i've got you know kettlebells and dumbbells lying around me here and yeah it's been a lot of just trying to do body weight stuff and really just just grabbing thank goodness i do have a few of the weights and I, i've been staying a lot by my boat in essex i'm currently at my parents house at the moment um so a bit of a different scene but yeah doing the boat work as well was keeping me fit so it was yeah i'll be honest with you i fell off the wagon for a while yeah with exercise and i got i got lazy and and i realized at that point that i started to be really not a very nice person to be talking to on the phone and you know not not in a good headspace and negative talk going on i was like what the hell is going on here and and you realize that that's I function off of the endorphins that come from exercise and being fit and healthy in that way. So yeah, it's been a shift and and it's been up and down and I've fallen off the wagon many times. But hey, you know it's it's weird yeah. times. Well, thank God you're back on the wagon, so yeah. we can talk nicely and you're not having to get me. But, <laughs> we've hang on a minute. We'll go. What what boat? What's this boat thing? <laughs> Um, yeah, I feel like one of those stereotypical kind of, I've become an adventurer explorer and hey, I got a boat to live on. Um, <laughs> there was a trend for a while, wasn't it? Uh, so I planned on sailing around the world and then I changed that to sailing around the UK. Um, but there's a hell of a lot of work that needs to be put into this little 1970s run down boat that she's a tank, but oh my gosh, head to toe, it's just stripped out. And so she's yeah. on the hard, which means out of the water at the moment. And um, yeah, that's, that's, that's my home at the moment. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, my old man lived. So he, he he sort of like cuts around the med doing his own thing living the dream it's pretty yeah. pretty cool but um go like my podcast they pretty much because we like to find out about the people they sort of go right back to the beginning so you're a you're a you're a woman of exploration and you travel the world doing all sorts of stuff how that how did you get into it what 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 sparked it all off uh it was accidental completely accidental um in a way you would have thought it makes sense because I went through quite a few different degrees at university that I never finished any of them by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got bored of them. Um, and then I went through quite a few different careers. So it wasn't a surprise that I fell into something quite unusual and odd uh, because that was my track record, but it was accidental. I, I was working in London at the time teaching business for a social enterprise. And I was teaching all these these guys and girls how to make their dream come true and stop working for someone else and lining their pockets and, you know, stand on their own two feet. And and I realized that I was I was not taking my own advice and I was just a bit fed up of that whole London vibe. I felt like it had a, a timestamp on it and I just needed to get out, really needed to get out. And uh, went on an expedition supporting someone in, in America. And after that, just felt like I didn't know my ass from my elbow. I didn't know what I wanted to do. 
and so didn't get my flight home. I just decided I had almost no money. I was just going to cycle across America and I was going to follow my nose. And I didn't, you know, it's it stuff that I'd, I'd never really been doing that before. It was brand new to me. And, and I thought, you know, when you, when you, in your early twenties and you feel like you've not done very much that's tested yourself, uh, on your own, it's fine testing yourself in a controlled environment with a lot of team support and, and I just felt like I needed to do something to, to, you know, cut and bruise my knees a bit and figure out who the hell I was. And I, I didn't know what career I was going to go into after that. I had no idea what I was doing. So yeah, I cycled across America on my own and yeah, it was, it's just uh, all unfolded from there and decided that I was storytelling about it at the time. And uh, I didn't realize that people were craving a few more women in, in that whole scene. And, and suddenly out of nowhere, I wasn't intending it. There was this, you know, demand for me yeah. to carry on telling these stories and hey, presto. Uh, that's pretty, that's awesome. I mean, uh, it sounds like you sort of like went on an expedition, loved the bubble and was too scared to come out of it. So just kept- Yeah, that, that's that's the blunt way of putting it, to be honest, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like to make things easier because I'm a pretty simple person. So yeah, okay. I was just trying to sort of like wait, work it all out. Um, it's true though, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I've, got, I've got a bit of a screw loose in my head. So I, I, I get bored and I also, um, I like the extremes. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Good thing as well, isn't it? You know, to keep chasing that. You know, if you're if you're someone that's not, you know, of the norm. You know, I don't mean that in a bad way. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah, I sort of like finding the new bubble or the new um, the new thing that keeps you well keeps you ticking over. Yeah, uh, I didn't know this because I'm pretty rubbish. But you grew up in Africa. Yeah, which, which fascinates me. My I get I'm talking about my old man for some reason. He grew up in uh, Kenya. Kenya, oh. dependent on the different people, but whoever wants to pronounce it. But uh, wait, tell us about that. What's yeah? Because I, I I proper love Africa, and I've got a big thing about it. But it started with me, old man, and then obviously I've been there a few times. And uh, there's something about that place which isn't there. Yeah, you know, once you got your feet in that dirt, there, there's something about that red dirt that you. It, it's in your blood, it's in your bones, and it, it'll never leave you. Um, it's an incredibly ancient and magical continent, and uh, yeah, it, it, it really strikes the hearts of, of pretty much everyone who goes there. But I was lucky enough to grow up in Africa, in, in South Africa, and I'll be honest with you, it's probably shaped and formed the bit of a nutter who I am today, because I grew up in Johannesburg, which is, as you probably know, a concrete city, and it, it was you know, Africa, South Africa, Joburg, they're not places where you are wrapped up in cotton wool, where you, you're kind of protected, you know, and sheltered from the roughness of what life can be. It's a place where, you know, as a kid, you're growing up and, and you're walking around and seeing guys that have just been stabbed freshly lying dead on the ground and in horrific accidents because there's drugs and just craziness. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of violence. You're constantly hearing stories about your neighbours who have, you know, been broken into and someone's been killed or raped or this or that or shot in the head and and so I guess I was that was my norm you know it was a very very different lifestyle to what I think I would have had if I grew up in the countryside in Surrey and it sounds all dramatic and and pretty rough there but by the same token we used to go on holiday to the game reserves in South Africa and that's a complete juxtaposition of these, you know, the concrete city with violence and it's pretty volatile there. And then you go out into some of the most stunning, beautiful wilderness and wildlife that exists on the planet. Mm. Like really ancient and stunning. And, and 
you know, so Africa doesn't really have the same health and safety <laughs> vibes as, as here. And so when you go out there, it's, it's, you know, it's pretty awesome. You can get up to all kinds of mischief and, you know, get in pretty hairy situations with wildlife. And, and that was my norm. And so I didn't know it at the time, but that was probably the seeds of, of what has evolved into what I am now, really. But I was, ah, I'm, I'm so lucky, so lucky to have grown up there. So I, I left when I was 15 and came to the UK with my folks. It is, it is probably one of the, it is an amazing place to grow up. I was really jealous of my dad because that's where he grew up. And yeah. um, funny, I'm sat here in the room. There's a couple of other lads who we did what I used to do. We were talking about Africa last night, actually. We were having a couple of drinks and we were talking about Africa and how, I, I don't mind Joburg. I quite like it, actually. I like the- Yeah, it's got so much culture, so much character. And the edgy, edginess I quite enjoy as well. But when you get out in the bush, like I've never been as scared as when I've been in, close proximity to wildlife there is nothing more scarier than elephants that are starting to get a little bit sketchy or rhinos that are just crashing it's like <laughs> isn't, am, am, am i wrong I, I, do you agree you know what i think we're just from we we grew up with the opposing situations right you went into the military and you went into some pretty hairy situations around the world where you had to learn and predict human behavior and you were kitted out and you were trained up to deal with whatever came at you from you know, people who, I don't know, you're in war situations, you're probably in situations where people weren't quite, you know, mm -hmm. there with it in terms of places that you went to that were rough. And, and that's, not, that's not my comfort zone. My comfort zone was growing up in the bush with the wildlife and, and with nature and knowing, okay, that's an elephant behavior, that's a rhino behavior, I know how to. So that, I feel much more comfortable around wildlife and my fear zone as people yeah yeah no, so it's, yeah. it's literally the opposite you know so you learn behaviors of stuff and and yeah. i i i find the predictability of the unpredictable way that wildlife behaves i don't know i'm used to that whereas with people that's been my scariest moments on any expedition that's mental because i tell you what there's like i'm here with a few gnarly lads and we were talking some of the stories last night were just hilarious like things creeping up on us at night and just literally blokes screaming like five-year-old kids <laughs> it was, it was, and I was that people creeping up on you guys no i don't care about that it was the, like there was oh, literally you mean in africa yeah, yeah. no okay yeah no, no, we were talking about all our experiences over there you know yeah and do exercises over there and you sort of like normally you, you know you're used to being the war fighting person and then the next thing you know you you're sort of dropped into the bush whether it's in malawi or you know it doesn't matter where it is and there's things creeping around at night yeah. making noises and you're like oh. at night time it's the sounds it's the sounds that wildlife makes at night that is just, just oh <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 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 horrible no it's not horrible it's great it's just it's very hum it's humbling is what it is that is you know what i love about it the most is that you realize that we keep seeing ourselves as human beings up on this pedestal of intelligence and you go out there and suddenly you're well down the food chain yeah, yeah, like, oh, yeah. Okay, this has put me in perspective. All right, I get it. <laughs> I tell you what, it's it's like a real life Jurassic Park. Yeah, <laughs> like Africa is Jurassic Park. Just it totally is dinosaurs. But uh, quickly going right, not quickly going back to adventure. You spoke about that um, expedition you did in the states. Would you say that was your first gnarly big expedition, or was that just an intro? And if it if it wasn't, what was? Oh, it depends what you'd call gnarly. If you okay, are we talking about physically gnarly and epic in terms of scenery, or or mentally screwing your head up gnarly? Because <laughs> I would whatever choose you, the ones. Whatever you think 
was the, your first big the one thing that you remember thinking fuck that was the that was the first big thing that i did the one that, that really sort of started that's when i knew that i'd been um yeah uh, uh put under pressure or or really challenged uh i i would say that would be namibia actually um because i would say that weirdly the thames river swimming that if you talk about mental gnarliness and, and learning how a lot from, you know, I mean, you're, you're in the water with your head in freezing cold water, 10 hours a day swimming with no current and you can't see sod all because it's brown. You can't hear anything with, you know, the little plugs in your ears and you can't, you know, you can't speak to anyone because your head's in the water the whole day for 10 hours. And it's just, and you're cold and you're tired. And I just, you know, I realized that my, my head can go to some pretty, pretty frustrating and you know horrific places that are really not helpful so um <clears throat> mentally that one but yeah namibia was where i i cycled from the border with angola uh, across the semi-arid the desert regions over there um you know bordering the the oldest desert in the world and cycled down to swakopmund and that was a solo fat bike journey and and that was where i think i cut my teeth a little bit that's that's where i really put myself under the pressures of wildlife, of uh, environment. So we're talking about, you know, just shy of 50 degrees Celsius heat on, on most of the days out there. And um, and it was all solo and I was relying on water sources as I was going. And what I was stupid enough not to do was research what climate had been like over the last few years. It so happened that they were, they'd been in drought for a number of years there. So all these little water holes and rivers and sources that, in my head I was relying on and I could see from a Google map that was taken you know, a picture years ago. That was not true. There was nothing realistic about that. And so, um, yeah, I'd suffered massively from dehydration. We ended up having to put um, caches of water along the way. And uh, I, I just remember going out there and going through lion territory and, and in these canyons and my crew would kind of meet me at various points. So I'd go and self film and do my own thing. Um, they tried to film me at the beginning and, and be around me the whole time and pretend that I was solo and I just told them to sod off because you, you can't pretend that, can you? Um, and yeah, that I just was going through lion territory and I, I remember one of the days it was, it was 49 and a half degrees Celsius and I, I had a lion warden. I wasn't allowed to go through his conservation region without having a guy in a landy a few miles ahead just on radio to me saying you know there's a line coming through this area I'll be aware of that and um just because I was solo and he radioed through to me and said you know as you come out the canyon just be aware that you come down the river bend you know you go around that corner follow it through and um you'll start popping out the other side of the canyon and uh, on your right hand side you'll see jackals and vultures and there's a, there's a fresh line kill there and thought oh, fuck really sod this that was the time that i suppose yeah the wildlife got the better of me yeah i sound all like bullshit yeah i could deal with it. i'm comfortable but you yeah when you're on your own with lines and the guy told me that morning he's like oh yeah just uh, good luck because on a bicycle you look like an antelope that's yeah. that's a perfect damn meal for these lines cheers mate thanks for <laughs> yeah cheers for the confidence awesome you know um and yeah, just as I, I got to this place and I started looking to the side of me, I'd been pushing hard because the desperation, the fear of just getting out and, and wondering, are these, have these guys circled around and they're actually going to come crossing my path when he's five miles down the way and can't help me if I'm in trouble? I've got, I've got no gun, I've got no pepper spray, I've got no foghorn, nothing, nothing. Um, and yeah, I, I just pushed so hard and I was so dehydrated that I, I passed out. I lost consciousness, 200 meters or yards or whatever it was from this lion kill 
and luckily he had a gut instinct that he needed to come back and uh, I woke up in his landy and um, he had found me just wandering around aimlessly like non comprende so that's where I I guess the pressure and the learning came from just stupidity just making decisions that came out either out of ego where you think you you better than you are and you can conquer nature and wildlife and yourself and um or coming out of just fear of uncertainty of of you know that's why i realized you can't doubt yourself out there that's, yeah. that's a bad thing to do you've got to learn to trust yourself and you've got to be you know you've got to look after your body because yeah. if you don't you're in trouble that is definitely the case anywhere really but especially out in places like that and by the way everyone namibia is an awesome country oh, stunning it's so otherworldly isn't it yeah it is awesome yeah it changes a fair bit but it's just, it's bizarre it's awesome though like, That's what I love about traveling through it, though, is that every 50 kilometers you you go from this, you know, semi-desert into suddenly this lush, you know, green wilderness and oasis. So then next thing you're in the sand dunes that are some of the tallest in the world. It's mad. Um, it, is, it is awesome. The t- I want to go back to the Thames because the Thames, <clears throat> I have dived in it. It's stinking. <sighs> and did you, did you, how long did that take all up? Well, I think it was around two weeks, um, it, maybe two and a bit weeks. It would have gone a bit faster. I had to take a, a few days off because I got sick very ill. That was my next question. What, what happened? Did you get sick from the river? Yeah. I'm a total mug for choosing the Thames. I could have gone somewhere like, you know, the Bahamas to go and do a long swim, but the Thames, geez. So it was fine upriver when I started by the source of it running and then, you know, wading through and then it got deep enough. And that was fine and pristine and beautiful. And the wildlife around was amazing. And and then I got down towards Berkshire area and heading towards London. And, and do you know where Marlow is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a few locks before I hit Marlow area, uh, one of the guys who was manning that one of the locks said to me, listen, you know, just make sure that we, when you get to this region, you swim breaststroke with your head above water. And I said, well, what are you talking about, mate? And he said, oh, no, there's, there's, an, there's a pump. There's a, a big facility uh, where they, they deal with sewage. Mm-hmm. And for years now, we've been trying to get in, in the news, but they, they had a big crack in one of these pipes and no, they just can't be asked to repair it. And so just, you know, you'll see a little bit of red tape that they've literally put on buoys into the river to cordon off a little section. Just just be careful of that. And um, I was like, all right. And so, yeah, lo and behold, got to this section and, you know, yeah, I don't know if it was my eyes deceiving me, but you start seeing things floating down the river. And But there's definitely a stench. So it was very obvious that something was not right there. And uh, yeah, a day later, I started getting stomach cramps and I wanted to vomit and, and I couldn't really swim properly. And I was wearing a wetsuit, three mil wetsuit at the time. And it got to the stage where I kept trying to push through, push through, push through. And then yeah, the end of it was basically where you, where you end up defecating in your wetsuit. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, all right, I think, I think I'm going to take a couple of days out now because I didn't have enough time to swim to the edge. It was, it was vile, uh, sorry. <laughs> Hope you've had your breakfast. <laughs> So I, I love the way that they um, they sort of like mark they put red markers boys, and it's and you awesome. yeah no, it's all well and good that like humans can can sort of like pretty much work out okay I don't go in there but the shit that's in there doesn't listen to this. Oh, exactly exactly <laughs> no it was rank it was absolutely rank so yeah yeah I, I got very ill off of that and I I, I would recommend upstream. Just not so just, um, for people listening, and actually me, where's the source of the Thames exactly? Where did you start walking in water? She took me back through quite a few years now. Uh, is it near Gloucestershire? There is literally this stone in the middle of a field of cows. 
underneath a tree in the mm. middle of a farm in the middle of nowhere um, towards the west. Oh my gosh, are you pulling me up on this now? I think it's heading towards Gloucestershire, Somerset sort of region. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't remember the name of the town, mate. Um, but yeah, you bet. I I ran for the first while, and then suddenly you see a trickle coming, and you follow the path. There's a path that you know goes the whole way all the way to London. And when it got deep enough by Crick Lane, then I started wading up to my knees, and you know a few miles after that, it was deep enough to to get in and start swimming. So that's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. You actually went from the real source of the the Thames really yeah of course right yeah, yeah. No, at the time to be honest with you I was trying to I was trying to do the longest triathlon in Britain in the UK uh, and then Sean Sean Conway trumped that pretty quickly um but I was, I was at a time and stage in my life where I was I was young and trying to prove something to myself and to the world so mm. I was trying to take on everything so it had to be you know like from the source and I was, I was out to prove stuff what was the best bit of the Thames for you that first bit when you weren't in the dirty, stinking water. <laughs> Basically, yeah, where you could actually see down to the bottom. <laughs> Although it was pretty mucky up there. I remember a few miles in, I, I kind of stood up because it was just not really not deep enough to swim much of the reeds and everything. And, and I put my foot down and I put it into something and I pulled my foot up and realised it was in someone's shoe. <laughs> but oh. yeah, it's... um. No, it's, it's all right. It was just, it, it was a bit heartbreaking, even further up river there. It was just filled with litter. It, it was a state. Yeah. You know, there's a few pristine areas for a few miles, but that's about it. Where did you, uh, where did you finish? Um, so I wasn't allowed to get permission from the Port of London authorities to go further than Putney Bridge. They just refused, even though some people before had done it. Uh, they decided that there were too many people who had seen David Walliams and a few other people doing their swim in the Thames, and they were just jumping in at night and having to be rescued. And so they thought that if I did it, I would encourage people to uh, go swimming in London with the speedboats mm. and, and all that. And I said to them, listen, I'll, I'll have a whole crew. Like, we'll stick to the side. We'll, I'll have a boat with me. I'll have a crew with me and stand paddle boards, everything. And they said, no, sorry. That's too many idiots out there. I've got a mate actually. He's on the um, he's on the Tower lifeboat. He's part of the crew there, which is the London lifeboat, and he's and they are the busiest lifeboat in the whole of the country. And it's yeah. a, it's like they're probably responsible for quite a small stretch of water, really. And um, it is predominantly because of people. Yeah, completely. <laughs> they, can, they can crack the crack the Thames. Now I'm not going to cross the bridge. I'll just swim it. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, in all fairness, when you when you see the tide going out under those bridges, you, you can understand. I mean, that thing sweeps you in seconds. Gone. Um, there's what I want to. There's something I want to talk about because I again we talk about places we love, but um, Guyana and the Esquibo. I've I've actually spent. I, I think I've lived on not lived on the Esquibo, but I've lived in a section of the jungle on the Esquibo for a couple of months. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Oh, wow. Go, go off and do stuff. It's obviously military bits and pieces. You go into the jungle, do a bit of riverine. But we were opposite. Where we were sort of stationed was opposite Bartica. Okay. Yeah, we, yeah. We used to like we had we had like raiding craft. And we used to like shoot over and spend a night in Barker. There's a there's a bar there called the Cool Breeze. I think it was called. Oh damn! We must have missed that one. <laughs> no, there's a bar. Well, there was one there. I don't know what I don't know. This was quite a while ago. But um, what an amazing place! And I, you know, we only saw a section of the ski, but we didn't. You know, we went from the sea and then we came down to that area, but we didn't go much further up. So, I mean, it's. It is a that is a wild place, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Um, I think I mean jungles anywhere you go are just some of the most unbelievably testing grounds that you can put yourself in. And I think if you wanna if you wanna know if you can survive and you can make it there, you can make it pretty much anywhere. Uh, but yeah, the Esquibo Guyana, Southern Guyana was unreal. We went through quite an emotional journey on the on the trip. So we were trying to find the source of the Esquibo River, which is the third largest river in South America, and that had never been found or documented before. So we wanted to set up this international collaboration with uh, these guys from a YY tribe, community, oh. indigenous community in the far south, and they lived on the river. And so we took five of their warriors, their best warriors with us, and um, we, we wanted them to be able to find their river and be proud because there's a lot of these tribes and indigenous communities, they, they marginalized within their own countries. And they've, you know, it's, it's something that we could have done to, to put them on the map in their own country and have pride. Anyway, yeah, going up there, it's, it's pristine virgin rainforest. And, you know, you go, you go really make the most of that because they, they're disappearing, as we know. And it, the diversity there was something that I had never before experienced in my life. Uh, I also was, was humbled once again because, it, you know, it's not just the, the lions and, and the big predators that are out to get you. that You feel very far down the food chain. Uh, in the jungle, anything small, they, they want to bite you. They want to lay their babies in you. They want to eat you. They want to kill. I mean, everything is out to get you. It's a nightmare, absolute nightmare. Uh, but waking up to the sound at 4am of howler monkeys echoing across this green canopy, you know, it's, it's phenomenal. Lying in your hammock and, you know, at one point I woke up in the middle of the night to something brushing underneath and you look to the side and you just see something furry disappearing off and, you know, was that a jaguar? What was it? You know, we had jaguars coming into camp and it was just, it was phenomenal. And the emotional side of it came. I mean, we were learned, we're jungle toddlers. These these warriors taught us everything about how to survive there. We wouldn't have, we wouldn't have been able to get through that. And we were in a place where there was no possibility of rescue if something did go wrong. Um, if we'd got bitten by you know a snake that you know something pretty rough, then there was no way out. There was no helicopter that had a winch. And even even if there was, you're in dense thick jungle canopy, primary yeah. rainforest, so tall trees. Mm -hmm. and there's nowhere for it to land and there's nowhere for a winch to come down because they didn't have a winch <laughs> uh, and you have to if you're going to get evacuated you have to cut down an area of rainforest uh, the size of a football pitch which i think you'll know all about you know it's it's either it's, it's just when you get into certain areas there's no you're not yeah. there's no you're not going to get out there right there's no rescue um so yeah that was that was magical and beautiful and i, I think we we really learned about survival properly there and then as you go down the river and you get towards some of the towns that flank 
find the Essequibo, you suddenly realize that there's a slow creep of humanity upriver. And you start yeah. seeing the illegal logging and illegal gold mining and dredging of the river. And, and that just gets more and more prominent to the point that, you know, the wildlife is drowned out and it disappears. And yeah. we started getting heartbroken, you know, looking up at the very last remnants of the rainforest before we left that region. And, and there's howler monkeys just sat at the top there howling across. And, and on the other side of the river was what used to be, I think, the second largest mine in the world. And it's just this huge scar on the landscape. It's decimated. There's nothing there. Uh, and it's just left behind. You know, and, and, and that was heartbreaking. So it was a mixed bag. Yeah, it was, it was quite an experience and hugely humbling, both from the wildlife and survival perspective, but also from, from understanding our place and, you know, uh, being a part of that whole chain. Because when we asked these illegal loggers where, where this stuff was going, it ended up, you know, they said, well, it goes off to China and it gets made into the stuff that you guys buy yeah yeah so, yeah it was it was eye-opening it's horrible um what was the uh did you find the, the actual did you get to the source yeah we did we did um oh that was emotional i think more way more so for the warriors the yy warriors because as we got closer we finally found that it we were being led up a hill and it was kind of winding around this this you know, little peak that we, we could see on our GPS, but we couldn't see through the canopy. Yeah. And they stopped and they started praying and having a little moment to themselves. And one of the, one of the leaders, um, we, he went ahead and disappeared for a little while. And as, as he came back, we looked at him and we were like, something's different about you. And he had basically shaved, clean shaven his entire face. And it was this, you know, sense of being pure, becoming right. something that was the source of life for their ancestors for hundreds of years. It was very, very special for them. And so, yeah, the emotion, I can't put into words how that felt being a part of allowing them to, you know, find it with our technology, them allowing us to find it with their survival skills and their, you know, knowledge of, of the rainforest. It was just beautiful, that collaboration. And yeah, we went to the top and it was just this, it was, it was a bit um, of an anticlimax, I guess, because gets to the top there and it's just this like tiny little muddy wall and a bit of a trickle coming out <laughs> we were like all right <laughs> i mean we, we kind of knew that's what to expect but it's, yeah it's like okay cool so uh i guess we go back down now and head down, down to the sea <laughs> i always like the way that the planet means a lot more to the people that are connected to it there's a lot of people oh, totally. do you know what i mean like all those sort of indigenous people that come from those areas are so much more connected with it and you can see the emotion that it invokes in them when they get when they get to things that mean something to them do you know what i mean as opposed to like a lot of us just cut around cities and not really give two fucks about what's going on and i think that's a bit of a shame sometimes in fact it's a, it's a shame all the time yeah i think so you know like I've, earlier this year i spent um i spent a decent amount of time doing some survival training with the bushmen uh the sand bushmen in namibia northeast namibia and yeah. again i mean they, they're the oldest civilization on the planet literally they 200,000 years back. Um, we can trace that lineage to them for everyone. And it's just so humbling. You go in there and they, they have a very interesting setup in that. Um, I guess we're, part of the reason why they are two, the oldest civilization in the world is that they have no hierarchy, mm. which is alien to me. I mean, my entire life I've grown up with hierarchies. That's all I know. Yeah. And they bless them. I mean, they, they don't have a word for no. Mm. It never had to exist. And so 
when people come in from the outside and ask them for stuff, they, they say they can't say no, they don't, they don't know how. So they get into a lot of trouble with modern worlds. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just these, they, their connectedness to, to nature when, when I was sitting there, you know, going out on, on tracking and hunting journeys with them and, and they'd look at me and be really confused and baffled. And they say, well, why are you on this like up and down and up and down with your emotions? And I said, well, I suppose, you know, I'm trying to find happiness and trying to be good at something. And, and the conversations that you have with these indigenous communities about happiness, they just can't comprehend the things that we say will make us happy, the money and the belongings and the, you know, their whole world is the opposite way around of connectedness to nature, to each other, the community and, and harmony. And I said, you don't go, you don't go chasing happiness yeah you know, that's that's not how it works and happiness comes through a sense of service to others not through you finding it and not through having collecting and so yeah I, very interesting yeah i spent i actually spent seven days with a son a couple oh. years ago because it was for a pilot for a show that didn't go because obviously i'm probably a bit of a knob but ultimately <laughs> it was the one thing i took from it was it was they were awesome and like they by the way for anyone listening their language is epic i can't even i'm never even going to try because there's clicks and all sorts of weird tones going on i don't know how they do it all at the same time but anyway they're awesome but the one thing i noticed from it was they 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 are the most they are the happiest bunch of people and they've got nothing as far as we're concerned when we look at them they've got nothing but they've got so much more than us because of the community feel and everything about it's all about their their people and who they live with and the, the village and and all that and and ultimately i think that they're in massive conflict at the moment aren't they because of the 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 ingress of modern world technology and their young are losing the 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 ancient skills that the elders know because they're being drawn and being sort of like influenced and, and almost coerced into city life i suppose and it's it's a real shame i don't know what the answer is because i ain't that clever but it is it is sad to watch yeah and it's an amazing it is like again going back to the um the people that really appreciate the planet are the ones that really sort of get emotional for it well look when when you survive on your backyard you have a different perspective don't you um you you can't help but have that appreciation you know they, they only take what they need and that's it and and like you said, they don't need much else because their happiness comes from a different source other than having, you know, keeping up with the Joneses and biggest house. And so, yeah, so it's a different world and it's a very humbling world, massively so. And, and you're right, the, that's a whole nother podcast, really, to talk about what they're up against. I did, I, yeah, I noticed I was going down a rabbit hole there. But, um, Happy to, but have you got two hours? <laughs> you've got time for that. You, like a lot of your stuff involves endurance, so... I mean, what's your take on endurance? How do you condition yourself, prep yourself for that? Is it physical or, I know what the answer is, but is it physical or is it mental for you? Yeah, look, I, I thought when I was younger, when I first did those those initial expeditions, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to beast it. I'm quite, a, I'm quite a tall girl and I've got a lot of upper arm strength quite easily, a lot of muscle memory. And I was like, yeah, come on. And my ego is just running riot. And um, I went out and I just broke myself and hurt myself and injured myself. <laughs> okay, there's, there's another way to this. So look, the um, physically, your body is unbelievably adaptable. You know, I've, I went out on that cycle. I, I hadn't cycled in years. 
and I had been paddle boarding, mostly sitting down because of the pace that we're going through on the previous expedition. So I had these little like pinprick legs and these massive rugby player arms, which was useless on a bicycle. And within one week, I'd completely adapted. My body was in the swing of it from huge pain to going over hundred miles a day, up hills, down, you know, and, and our body, that blew my mind. The respect that I have for my body now is just second to none. But the answer is it's a mental game completely and utterly uh you you can do a short power session in the gym or you know these short bursts and sprints and and that's a pretty physical game but once you say endurance is coming into play that you'll see some of the fittest massive muscly you know incredibly intensely built men and women on the planet crumble and fall before many others who you would look at them and be like are you joking me you're doing what endurance race look at you come on and and that that's this when that breaks everything goes because your body will keep working with you it'll keep going it'll find a way it'll adapt and you know if you look after it it'll, it'll just keep holding you if you steady on that that track that you're going along but yeah mentally so many people that i thought were strong broke and so did i so did i many times over agreed i totally agree with so you. yeah i think it's, it's it's training the brain isn't it it's the same with anything in life it's you know when it comes to emotions relationships business it's training the brain that's what it comes down to yeah exactly i agree to wholeheartedly agree with you uh changing the subject now um let's move on to uh, your children's book well i mean that's awesome but where where did you find <laughs> Where did that idea come from? I said, no, I, I never thought I was particularly good with kids. So I just never dreamed that my first book as an author would be for a kid's book. But um, yeah, I, I just got approached by a uh, publisher and they just thought it'd be a fantastic idea to go back through history. So from modern times all the way through to thousands of years back and, and find some of the greatest explorers on the planet. And I think, you know, it's, it's pretty pertinent. We're in a time now where we've realized that our kids need to be more connected. Um, we, we're in a world where they're under threat of going down the rabbit hole of you know, devices and computer games and really disconnecting from, from our planet. And, and now more than ever, we need them to be the, the opposite connected. And I just thought, you know, there's, there's also from a confidence perspective, you know, it means the world to me when I get messages from parents on social media and they say, oh, my little girl, my little son follows you and they have for years. Thank you so much. And, um, and you realize that they're desperate. They're craving some of these fantastical stories that just open their mind and baffle them, you know, stories of intrigue and danger and daring and, you know, failing and getting back up again and, and where to find that better than explorers who push the boundaries and, and, you know, go through a hell of a lot of failure, but come out triumphant more often than not, you know, and, um, that's, that's where it is. So, uh, I think you may Aldo Kane's in there. Um, I, like, I should probably send him a book, right? <laughs> um, he, he but, can't, don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't worry. There's lots, lots of pictures. He can kind of grasp the, the story. Yeah, he, that. He, he, <laughs> with that. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, all the way back to, to ancient monks, you know, and, and everything in between. And uh, so it's really taking, I, I've found that I've had almost as many messages from adults who have bought the book and for their kid, but basically commandeered it themselves and gone, actually. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's how it's called Adventure Starts at Bedtime. And uh, yeah, we've got a few follow-ups coming on for that. So I like yeah. the way you've got the, like, the complete opposite ends of the spectrum. You've got monks and then you've got Aldo Kane who is probably the furthest from a monk 
know, completely. But those those monks in the old days, you know, when they went on their pilgrimages, they were hardcore. Yeah, I know that's what I mean. Hardcore. They were hardcore. Yeah, you know. nails, guys. I mean, it's mental. They didn't have the technology to, you know. So yeah, fair play. But then you got Aldo. The story for from Aldo is basically he's he's in a live volcano. You're rigging up to go down into into the heart and the belly of it, and yeah, it's just mad. There's some cool stuff. Some very cool there stuff. There. Yeah, I'm gonna get that. Uh, staying on that subject, was there ever like a fictional character? This is a weird question. I don't know where this come from, but was there ever a fictional character that um, inspired you? Oh, you know, I read a lot of books, you know, a huge amount when I was younger, but the, not really. I, I can't honestly say that. But when I was a kid, I and even to this day, my dream world is insane. It's like the Lord of the Rings every single night. Yeah. And, yeah. and so for me, I just I just had such a vivid and wild imagination. You know, I, I'm, I'm third born. Uh, I've got two older brothers, six and eight years older than me. And I think my parents, you know, when you have a firstborn child, it's like, yeah, all the energy goes into them. And then secondborn comes along and you're like, yeah, yeah, I got a bit of energy I'll throw to you. And then thirdborn comes along and it's like, yeah, can't really be asked. Just find your way, mate. And um, ended up a bit feral, I think, <laughs> a bit wild and feral. And, you know, in, in South Africa, we had gardens, spent all my time out there. And I think it was just my imagination that inspired me, to be honest with you. And I just I lived in my own world that I created. So not, not really a fictional character, no. And in South Africa, we didn't even know the stories of, you know, the British explorers from around the world. I wasn't, didn't grow up with that. I grew up with Shaka Zulu and, you know, stories of how he trained his army. There's these uh, thorns in, in Africa that you get that no matter which way they fall, there's always one bit sticking up. They're kind of triangular. Mm-hmm. And he used to make them run across fields of these and then heal their feet and run across fields of them. And so that's, that's kind of stories I grew up with, a bit rough and ready, but. Well, that's a better answer than I was expecting. Well done, nice one. <laughs> <laughs> I tried, mate, I tried. <laughs> Wait, yeah, you bailed me out there. Um, okay, so we'll start trying to wind it down a little bit because of time, but um, what challenges have you got coming up next when, we're, when the, all this mentalness is over? Yeah, look, um, uh, there's some stuff that I can't talk about that we in the process of, um, you know, getting the ideas together for survival things and, and whatnot. So it's a classic situation. It's like, yeah, what you got next? I can't tell you. Yeah, I, I um, but at the, by the same token, there's also lockdown has, has caused some big changes to happen. And my, my man, Jake, and I, uh, when, he, when he can get here from South Africa, eventually, we were buying a farm. So we're going to have a mad house there as well. And I think that's going to be an adventure in itself. So I'll be doing a lot of bushcraft and also farming and going a bit nuts there. But yeah, um, that's, that's all I can say at the moment. <laughs> that's good enough. That is much better. That's really good. Buying a farm is pretty mental. Buying a house is mental enough, let alone a farm. I know, I know, I know. Um, okay, so basically, I'm going to ask one more question. And then what I've got to do on my phone, I've got to flick through some things. Because what we do is we ask... Uh, listeners to send in questions and then the question that I ask you they get a bottle of Talisker Ooh, nice don't worry you get one as well I was gonna say that's my next question I've run out of whiskey mate (laughs) don't worry about that so my to wrap to wrap up my side of things what is your ultimate ambition what is what is out there that you really want to do oh my gosh my list is so long um I've got to head back. You know what? It's going back to the extremes, jungles and deserts. Um, my ultimate ambition in life, that's a really hard one to answer. I mean, obviously, I 
I really enjoy things like, you know, I, I, I've been filming a documentary about the rhino, illicit rhino horn trade, yeah. and I've really got quite, quite heavy into investigative stuff, and it's a bit edgy, and it's on the front lines, and, and I really enjoy that, so probably it will veer down a bit of a direction of that, and also I think I, I need to, uh, I need to challenge myself in survival so that would be learning as much as i can about primitive survival and then testing going into a testing ground and i think that best place would would be probably jungle for that and see you know can you survive for three months on your own four months on your own with no intervention from anyone with nothing you know just going there with a knife and that's it and see what you can do no so yeah but i mean ultimately ambition in life i i suppose the the more kind of fluffy philosophical you know view on that i i don't think that i have you know if you asked me 10 years ago and i think you would have this what what you thought that your ambition was for 10 years like now i don't think you'd think that you'd be doing what you're doing now at all i don't think you could have predicted that at all and no. so it's an organic journey i have no idea what twist and turn is going to come up but i think ultimately being in service to others is really what it's about i think when you can help others and maybe you probably have a bit of a insight into that i mean even now with your podcast and the work that you do that's being in service to others you know being an ambassador for mental health issues and opening up and making that something that's not no longer taboo so for me it's a similar kind of thing is is going out and finding the stories that help other people it's, it's more outward not inward now for me so leaving right. a legacy of some sort in that yeah i Totally agree with you. It's, it is an amazing thing when that that stuff happens. Right here we go. So basically, what is it going to be like? <laughs> uh, I think I've picked one. Um, right, there's one. This this isn't a winner, by the way. But I'm intrigued to know why they've asked you this. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> Eight five seven five has asked, "Do pelicans blink? Are you an expert on pelicans?" I do know the answer to this. They do. Oh. And it's more a membrane thing, and they can blink independently. They're, each eye can blink independently. <laughs> There's the well, maybe that should have been the question. Sorry, Chris P8575. <laughs> it was a bizarre question. Um, <laughs> okay, there's... Uh, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll ask this. This is, the, this is the one. And it... Okay, Rob P77... Would you take Jason Carl Fox and Aldo Kane on an adventure? That's his question, and not. But that's not the. I'm going to add to his question. I'm helping him win a bottle of Talisker. What is? What would the adventure be? Well, first of all, you got to get. You've got to like placate me here because the, you two together would probably be a bloody nightmare. Uh, uh, <laughs> you're trouble. Nah, nah. Come We're on, all... I, I've heard you guys. You, the two best friends, two lads. There's, yeah. Yeah, but um, sensible at times. <laughs> no, I think it'd be a bloody good laugh, actually. Um, yeah. yeah, of course, of course, is the answer. Um, I probably need it because I don't think I have the same kind of survival skills as you guys do. So I'd probably get myself into all kinds of trouble and be like, "Hey, can you just rig some rope and save me?" No, um, not at all. You, you'd be bailing us a hundred percent. Believe me. <laughs> Um, but yeah, what would it be? You know what? I it would have to be that out of the way. That, me and Aldo out of the way. What would if you were with a group of people? Yeah. Where would you? You know, where would where would you get? You, know, you talk. You've done a lot of stuff on your own, which is awesome. Yeah. But what would what would be the one where you just for fun, not too much pressure? Okay. Just what we'd like to do is a sort of like more like a down 
downtime expedition. Bit of a crack. That's what me and Aldo are about, anyway. Yeah, yeah, totally. Don't feel like hard shit anymore. You know what? <laughs> You're getting a bit old there, mate. <laughs> a bit creaky in the bones now. <laughs> Got the same problem. Um, no, I, I would probably, it would it would be all about just scenic and, and having a good laugh. So it would probably be, you know, a bit, bit of climbing and rigging up some kind of mountainous and a few rocks and things like that, getting up to a nice vista, bivying up there, and maybe following a stream down towards where there's a river and doing some whitewater rapids and just having a good giggle, really, and... and Yes, yeah, ending up by the ocean, and I don't know. I mean, stereotypical, just something that that has a bit of dynamic to it. Something that, yeah. And also, and I'd really like to learn to climb. That's one thing that I, I can't do very well. So I'd I'd love to learn how to rig and climb. Okay, Kane's good at that. He's all over that stuff. Yeah, I've got two uh, left feet, so it'll take a good while for me to learn that stuff. Yeah. So basically, um, we're, we're, for people listening anyone can do what you just said and it's about getting out there and doing stuff which is really important I think for lots of people yeah totally I mean I get this, this uh, sort of question quite a lot is you know how do you do what you do and how can I even think about doing that and I, I think that it's really just about starting you know it's the same with anything in life it's it's getting it's making a decision and and the latin you know definition of decision is a cut a split a decision yeah. Um, and and so for a lot of people, I think that's things like booking the flight, or yeah. you know, do, doing something that's irreversible, that forces you to get out there and just start. And it's not about doing the biggest bloody thing out there, you know. And it's, I, I just I think there's a whole wave of stuff going on social media where you have to one up and bigger and better with you know than the last person, and it's just rubbish, absolute yeah. rubbish. And um, yeah, just just start wherever because it's you've got your whole life ahead you know you're gonna find a lot of stuff to do so once you start you can't stop That's exactly good. completely addictive um, so basically just going back to rob p77's question the answer is no she wouldn't because she thinks that we're an epic but anyway <laughs> no i would but i just have one eyeball on you guys yeah right okay so uh ness that's awesome i really appreciate your time i could talk for fucking ages to be honest with you because yeah there's so many things that you can go down a rabbit hole but hey time time there's rabbit holes on each one of those bloody discussion points but anyway i really appreciate coming on um thanks, thanks for, for having the, me thanks for the professional background looks cool mine's pretty cool to be honest but there we go i'm in a quarantine <laughs> again so yeah anyway take care have a have a have a what day are we on it's friday have a good, uh, friday, good week yeah. lost track yeah yeah, yeah. nice one i really appreciate that Oh, thanks, mate. Been great talking to you. Appreciate it. Thanks very much to Ness. Hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you don't already and follow me and The Book of Man for the latest news. Thanks again to Talisker for supporting this podcast and thanks for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.